Every leader has problems. Increasing your leadership intensity won't fix them in a healthy way. You need an increase of clarity. From starting businesses, leading multiple nonprofit organizations, both large and small, and a full family life, Dr. Chris McAllister learned how to shift his thinking to thrive. He will help you order your internal world so you can lead your external world. Welcome to the Site Shift, lead podcast with Chris McAllister. 13th episode. It's so great to be talking to you right now. It seriously feels amazing. I'll tell you why about that in a minute. Um, But yeah, so the first 12, we went through this progression that we do in our three-month coaching program. And I, I got the 12 done, and I didn't really know you know, what's next. I've got like about 23, 25, something like that ideas sketched out for different episodes and they seem like they're always coming. Uh, Maybe I should walk through our year-long coaching program. It's 48 pieces. Um, That would be quite the ambitious task. I've got an interview coming up. Uh, Excited for you to hear that. And so today, I want to experiment with something. We'll try it out. Love to get your feedback on it. Just a Q&A, questions that I've gotten in and roll through these. Before that, though, real quick, I want to pass on an idea to you that a listener gave to me. If you heard in week nine on improving decision making, that uh, challenge that I gave you to think through what it's like for you to tell a story that would interrupt those decisions you make to become a prophet, if you will. And he had suggested, what if you thought about it also as a children's story? And I just thought that was so cool and fantastic and might help some of you. So uh, go back and listen to that episode again and think through what would be a children's story that I would tell myself to jolt me out of making decisions uh, where I'm my own worst enemy. So I know kids' books have helped me often, uh, just a simple message, the way they get something across. I can't help sometimes uh, but read a children's book and think, I wonder at what level this author is trying to talk to themselves through this story. Uh, so it is a good good way to organize your brain that way. So try it out, all right? Let me tell you why it's good to be talking to you. Um, so yesterday, this is Friday when I'm recording this, this will post on Sunday night, April 5th, uh, yesterday, Thursday, we closed out the book campaign. It's the second crowdfunding book campaign I've done. And I am in the midst of some change, some personal change, some big decisions. Uh, I've been through a couple of reinventions, if you will, where I feel like I've evolved and I can't help but grow where I'm headed. And people don't always understand those. And, and I've been in the middle of another one recently. And uh, one time I went through one and a person was literally crying because I had changed so much and I wasn't the person that I was before. I've had people get up and walk out when I was speaking because of big changes that I went through and people tell me that I'm wrong. And so I'm in the middle of another one and it's not as dramatic, but uh, it, 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 I think I saw the ramifications of it with the book campaign. We didn't get to 110%. And if you do anything, I mean, you you post something on Twitter, on Facebook, you write a blog post, you try something at work, you speak out in that meeting, um, for sure, you write a book or you attempt a book campaign, a crowdfunding campaign, you are putting yourself out there. And it is not easy. It is painful. And so today, what I felt like doing was crawling under my little stand-up desk setup that I have. And so I did it, and I snapped a pic, and maybe I'll, I'll share it online, or maybe I will have shared it online uh, as a way of gaining courage by the time this goes out. I don't know. But I know that just talking to you right now helps me. 
So thanks for being here because I got to keep going. I got to keep showing up. This might be one of those times where you and I connect and that makes it all worth it. Okay, so uh, I, I said we do some Q&A here. I'm just going to walk through a few questions that I've gotten in and dive into some of these. We'll see where it goes, all right? Uh, can a person with horrible parents become a good parent to their children? Whew, that's intense, man. You know, a lot of uh, the illustrations that I'm telling through Sight Shift, Sight Shift Lead, are things about business and failures and wins that I've had. They're also stories from life because all of our life is our leadership. So, yeah, parenting stuff creeps in there, and, and no doubt it stirs up some of these questions. Here's the thing. You will either repeat or overreact to what you received growing up. So sometimes you could have received a real authoritarian, dictatorial, powering up presence. Well, you're probably going to repeat that as a parent or overreact to it and slide into this very permissive space and regret that later. How do you find that voice, that style of who you are as a parent, and and break that pattern? And that's what I hear in this question. Can a person with horrible parents become a good parent to their children? And the answer is emphatically yes. Uh, I've seen myself break some patterns. Uh, I've seen it in others. And what I can tell you is this. When you learn who you are and how to live out of a secure identity... And then there's no proving or hiding. It relaxes you in that moment. You have awareness. So you see what was done to you that you want to repeat. Or you see what was done to you that you want to stop and not repeat. Or what you want to adjust. The biggest thing that I noticed for myself was this. The more I have permission to be me, to be on my journey, to be a human being that feels and breathes and lives and isn't numbing out. And the more that I know my own fear and pain and the way I wanted to uh, hide away from the world today... Life is challenging for all of us. Our shame uh, gets stirred up. We feel threatened. And when my children aren't acting in a way that I want them to, I don't have to stress out over that. I don't have to stress out over their behavior or their performance. Instead, I want to investigate and validate what's happening on the inside of them. I want to see in the middle of that flare-up what is really going on. This goes back to what we talked about to assess without attacking, what it means to enjoy relationships. You apply the same principles. Hey, what are they afraid of? How can I comfort them? Um, It's crazy when you start to see it this way because what happens then is you don't get back and forth where you're pushing each other's buttons. You get to break that cycle. Now, I've used a number of different stories illustrating this, but I think I should also emphasize at this point, none of us are going to do it perfectly. Uh, I can see in my own life less angry outbursts, not uh, flaring up and trying to power up and take control of the situation, but letting it develop. And I'm in a space with two preteen daughters, uh, a third daughter who's a couple years, let's see, they're now 12, 10, and 9. That's crazy. Uh, so I'm in this space where we're facing a lot of changes and, and intensity. I want them to feel safe around me to have their emotional outbursts, right? I want them to feel that pleasure place with me that they can fall apart. At the same time, sometimes it drives me crazy and I love them so much and I mess up. And so what do I do? I come back around and I repair the tear. You're never going to do it perfectly. You're never going to do your leadership perfectly. You just keep putting yourself out there. And when you feel like you screw up, you keep showing up 
you show up and you repair that tear and say, hey, I felt afraid, so I did this. And it doesn't have to excuse away everything they did. They still need to own their stuff when they need to. But it does take time. So great question. Tons more to say about that, but we're going to keep on going. Um, gosh, man, some good stuff here. Uh, should I become homeless to follow my dreams? I hope not. Uh, you don't have to. There's this idea that says if I'm going to follow out the mission that's in me, and, and so much of Sight Shift is learning who you are, which overflows into figuring out what you're supposed to do. Uh, you don't have to think through this like I've got to pay some kind of dues to live out the dream and passion and vision I want to. What uh, what that thinking is rooted in is I don't deserve this. I don't deserve this. I feel shame to think about having this certain kind of thing, so I have to pay dues to get there. Uh, I'm reading something really profound uh, a friend had recommended to me recently, and it's a book called The Art of Asking by Amanda Palmer. And it's been a while since a book grabbed me so deeply that I'm like grabbing something to eat thinking, ah, I got to read right now. Uh, Really vulnerable journey and super impacted by it. And she talks about the struggle of what it means to receive from others. And is it fair? And here's the thing. When you're putting yourself out there, it's never going to, in your mind, relax, no matter what price you've paid. If you feel like, and this is what shame tells you, you're an imposter and you don't deserve to be here. And so what we want to do is we go, oh, I got to be homeless to follow my dreams. And the idea behind that question, I think, is this. I've got to just sacrifice everything and run to the ragged edge to get there. And I'm just telling you from a guy who has had to rebuild his income a couple times, who has started things and transitioned things, it's not worth it to live on that ragged edge. You pay a price in being at that ragged edge that strips you down that can make you a worse version of yourself. So what I'm going to say to do is to figure out how to just take the next step today. It doesn't have to be this dramatic, I'm all in or it doesn't count. Uh, There's a lot to be said there. There's a lot about transitioning if you're in different jobs and what's happening with your work. And uh, I've got some questions around that too. I may get into those. But for now, I think I've made that clear. What's the best way to spend $100? What about $10,000? I love this. It's so practical. Uh, The best way to spend $100 is to spend it to yourself and put it in your pocket because you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. And having a hundred bucks can change everything. To be able to relax you, to be able to be in the moment and rest, it's huge. So what I want to do is I'm going to put that hundred dollars in my pocket and say, I'm not spending that. Uh, That's my backup emergency plan. What about $10,000? Well, it depends on what your threshold for risk is. I'm going to take part of that money and I'm probably going to reward somebody around me. I want to take care of somebody. I want to be super generous because I'm surrounded by people who have made so much happen for me, and I want to show them love. Um, I'm going to take a percentage of that, and I'm probably going to want to risk it and try to multiply it, and I'm going to take probably 80% of that. I mean, we're talking about just getting a shot at $10,000. I'm assuming that's what this question is about, and I'm going to save it because this is a moment of feast. And I can tell you, in 17 years of leading and charging forward, there is a serious truth to this reality of feast and famine. And that feast moment is here, 
we're going we're gonna to invest part of it and try to multiply it, right? And not in these things that you can't control. I'm talking about a business idea you can invest in. I'm not talking about losing a lot on manager's fees and go read James Altucher's Choose Your Guide to Wealth, Choose Yourself Guide to Wealth, because I so track with his thinking on that. So I'm going to be really generous and I'm going to invest and try to multiply it like crazy and I'm going to save a ton of that because this is a feast moment. Um, all right. Uh, what compromises does one need to make to have a good life? Wow. This has a lot of application in a lot of different arenas. Um, when I think about what it means to have a good life, for me, it boils down to this. When I'm secure in who I am, and out of the overflow of that, I'm living the mission that's true to who I am with clarity, and I'm building the community, the party that I want to be a part of, that's a good life. And so I will make compromises along the way to get that happening. Uh, so right now I'm in the process of really focused on getting Sight Shift Lead up and uh, supporting our family. And this has been a scary, crazy venture. Uh, there's some compromises I'm making that I, which some of the compromises on just a halt, slamming the brakes on complete uh, lockdown, non-essential purchases. Uh, I don't have as much time right now for hobbies. Uh, I love trail running and some other things. Some people say, no, you got to have that right now. I'm doing the best I can. I've got to keep it moving forward. Uh, I am still making sure that I'm not compromising on being present and engaged. I've got a young family. What does it mean for me to shut things off and be with them in the evening and laugh? Uh, last night, we just had some hilarious moments of laughter. It was awesome. So you've got to figure out what that is for you. That's your journey. But most people, what they're making a compromise on is they're, they're doing something that's keeping them numbed out because they feel fear and pain and shame. That will always lock you up. <laughs> Then the next thing that they're doing is they're not moving forward on their mission with clarity in some way. They're in a nine to five, they feel stuck in, and so they go to bed and they check out. I'm asking you to do this. Don't compromise on figuring out who you are and then taking a step every day, even if it's small and even if you only spend five minutes towards doing that work that makes you feel alive or figuring it out. It takes a lot of trial and error and build that party you want to be a part of. So decades from now, that good life, securing who you are, clearing your mission, building the party you want to be a part of is all around you. That takes time to get there. Um, man, a lot more here, but I need to cut this off because we got to go. Our family has a big weekend. I hope this has been helpful to you. If you get some more and you want to email those to me, email them at chris at chrismcallister.com. That's one of each letter in the last name. And uh, we are going to be releasing a couple of new things soon. Stay on the lookout for those. I am going to move forward with the book project. Uh, regardless, I got to get this thing written and excited to do it. So thanks for being on the journey. Check you later. Peace. This has been The Sight Shift, lead podcast with Chris McAllister. Thank you for listening.